You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. There is new video tonight of two suspects in a vicious and senseless assault that unfolded on a transit bus. The attack leaving the 61-year-old victim traumatized and with broken bones. Ramina Dea is following this story for us tonight. Ramina, what can you tell us about this new video? Sophie, we have tracked down four new short videos which show the suspects at their last known location, this strip mall in Surrey. About 10 minutes after the sickening assault on the bus, the suspects were caught on surveillance camera outside the liquor store in Bear Creek Plaza in Surrey. It's cruel and unusual. That's just very, very brutal. John Taranov says the couple did not enter the store. All of the footage handed over to transit police. They were in there for about an hour looking at the video. Um, they ended up leaving with quite a bit of footage. Investigators say the man and woman are wanted in connection to an attack on a 61-year-old woman who boarded the 96B line at Surrey's Central Station around 6.30 p.m. March 20th. The battle over a bus seat the victim was saving for her husband. She was screaming at her, threatening to kill her, saying if she had a gun, she would shoot her, this kind of thing. The victim pulled out her phone to snap a picture of the couple. That's when the female suspect yanked her over a metal rail, say transit police. The victim suffered a cracked sternum, broken arm and minor head injuries. I feel very bad for the woman who was attacked for just over a quarrel about the seat. You don't recognize them? No. Amanpal Judge has been a bus driver for 14 years. Incidents on board getting more violent, he says. Do you worry for your safety at all, your passenger safety? Oh yeah, we worry for the passenger safety, that's a priority. The victim traumatized but recovering. Any evidence she may have captured, gone. Transit police say her phone was smashed to pieces by one of the suspects. So good footage of the suspects, Rumina. What do we know about any tips going into police about this case? Well, transit police are not releasing any hard numbers. They will only say that they're following up on several tips. They're also not releasing the full video of the attack on the bus, saying that it's holdback evidence. Sophie. Rumina Dea in Surrey. Rumina, thank you. Bail, hearing, uh, bail hearings have now been set for two of three suspects in the unprovoked beating of a man with autism. <laughs> Hiding from cameras in the back of that vehicle, Runjot Singh Dami, who turned himself into police early this morning. He's due in court on Wednesday. Meantime, Parmveer Parm Singh Chahil, who was arrested last Friday, was in court today. This is his father and grandparents as they left. Jahil's bail hearing was put over until tomorrow. Surveillance video of the attack shows the victim sitting at the bottom of a stairwell putting on rollerblades when three young men assault him. Police have yet to identify the third male suspect, but say he may go by the name Jason. The good thing is he did uh, surrender, and this case is now progressing forward. And it was thanks to that video being released and uh, all the assistance we got over social media and everything that led to these two being arrested. To the third guy... I'm telling him to turn himself in. It's only going to be a matter of time before he's arrested as well. Dami's lawyer says while his client turned himself in, he is also maintaining his innocence. Police are asking drivers to slow down and pay attention behind the wheel. That reminder comes after a pedestrian was struck in a crosswalk in Delta this morning. 
It happened on 84th Avenue near 110th Street around 7.30. The driver stayed on scene and is cooperating with police. The victim sent to hospital with undisclosed injuries. While an exact cause has not been determined, it was dark and raining heavily at the time. A bit of a parting gift to departing members of the Metro Vancouver Regional District Board. The board, made up of Metro Vancouver mayors, has quietly approved a new retroactive pension. And that's not all. Ted Chernecki now on why the board made that move and how much it's going to cost you. There's never a good time to make this type of decision. But if you must, make it late Friday afternoon and put a proposed brand new pension plan at the bottom of the agenda. Call a question, all those in favor? Opposed? And with that vote, all outgoing board members will now get a pension of about $1,100 for every year of service. So someone who has sat on this Metro Vancouver board for, say, 10 years, suddenly gets $11,000 from a pension that didn't exist a week ago. So although we may have, yes, people who've served here for 20 years, uh, we have some people who only served for one year. Do we really think they need... A 10% leaving allowance. Part of the attraction retention of getting people to come to this table and to make the decisions that are important for this region is to ensure that they are appropriately compensated. Vancouver City Councillor Raymond Louie as Metro Vice Chair is number two on the 2016 pay list at $47,000 behind Greg Moore's 95000 This is over and above their salaries as Councillor and Mayor. Until very recently, a third of all this income was tax-free, but recently Revenue Canada decided that that was a taxable benefit, which led to this second vote last Friday. Uh, Same um, report, different second part, moved and seconded. All those in favor? And that is for a one-time pay increase to compensate for that now taxable benefit. It's very important to point out that even if you aren't seeking re-election and you don't need to answer to the voter, the next person in line, whoever wins your seat, will be answering to that taxpayer and to that voter. And as it turns out, an unusually high number of mayors have already said they will not be seeking re-election in the fall. If all politicians get to vote themselves a pay increase, it tends to make people crazy because they don't think it's fair. We don't get to do that for ourselves. Um, I think what makes it worse is when they try to slide it under the radar, like holding a meeting on a Friday afternoon and issuing no statements at all about it. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Burnaby's mayor is refusing to pay policing costs associated with ongoing anti-pipeline protests at Kinder Morgan's Burnaby Mountain facility. So far, more than 150 people have been arrested, most of them for violating a court-ordered injunction. Today, the city's mayor says he has no plans to pick up the tab, arguing that since Ottawa approved the pipeline expansion, it should be the one paying for extra policing. This is uh, just the start of what could be a very long and hot summer, and uh, I'm worried about that. I want to give the government notice right now that uh, we don't intend to, to try to foot the bill for something that is far beyond our ability to control. Burnaby RCMP say they'll maintain a presence in the area in order to ensure demonstrations can continue to be carried out in a safe manner. The province announcing today a number of changes to its controversial speculation tax. Fewer British Columbians will now be shelling out, and for those who still must pay, the amount will be less. Keith Baldry has the details. 
to a strong, sustainable British Columbia. Pretty well since the day she first announced it on Budget Day, Finance Minister Carol James has been dogged by speculation about the new speculation tax. Today, she provided some clarity to a point. We're making sure that we're targeting the speculation tax, so we've refined some of the geographic areas so that it targets the urban settings where affordability really is a crisis. We're making sure that there are opportunities for people to not pay the tax by putting their second or third or fourth homes on the market as rental. According to the minister, the new rules will mean that 99% of all British Columbians will be exempt from paying the tax. Vacation properties and rented properties will be exempt as well. Foreign investors and satellite families will pay tax equal to 2% of the property's value. Canadians, many of them Albertans, will pay a 1% tax on vacant homes. And British Columbians will pay a 0.5% tax on empty second homes. I think people really wanted to see the definition, and the easiest way to do that was to ensure that vacation homes and cabins are not included. We've excluded areas where lots of people have vacation homes, like the Gulf Islands. But the opposition panned today's moves, while the Greens lauded some of them. If the NDP are seriously chasing after speculation, they should do it with a traditional capital gains tax. Instead, what they're doing is they're saying to people, give us part of your assets, give us part of your savings. We still fundamentally believe that what we need is to to ban offshore capital flowing into our real estate sector, our agricultural land, but certainly this is a far better way forward than was initially proposed. Well-known local developer Michael Geller, though, says the tax doesn't go after real speculators. Many instances Canadians, in other instances British Columbians, and in many instances as well perhaps people from other parts of the world. But they're people who own second homes here, they're not speculators. In any event, the new tax won't come into effect until at least the fall when legislation is tabled in the legislature. Keith Baldry, Global News, Victoria. The dangers of excessive speeding are obvious, and here's a reminder of the steep financial consequences as well. The driver of this car busted in Maple Ridge on Sunday in the area of Golden Ears Way and 113B. Police say the car was clocked going 160 kilometers per hour in a 70 zone. The driver was handed a $483 ticket for excessive speeding. The vehicle impounded for a minimum of seven days, and the driver may be subject to a driver risk premium on insurance of $320 per year for three years. This incident is the highest speed caught on this stretch of road this year. Right now, though, a safer ride for women is the goal of a proposed new transportation service on Vancouver Island. Kylie Stanton has the details of a taxi company where every employee would be female. As one of the few female taxi drivers in the area, Tammy Hogg is used to standing out. So the idea of launching a one-of-a-kind service isn't much of a stretch. Women on wheels. The new taxi company, based in the West Shore communities just outside of Victoria, would have women fill all of the roles, from drivers to dispatchers, all in the interest of providing women with a safe option to get where they're going. It's all a, a gamble getting into a, a cab anywhere in Canada, right? And we discovered that there is a need in uh, this industry and we feel that we can certainly help with that. The women at the helm all have lengthy experience in the taxi industry but the concept, while unique, is already cropping up across the country. DriveHer is a ride-sharing service by female drivers for female passengers. The underlining thing is always comes down to safety and comfort of women. It comes after a high-profile case involving a male driver in Halifax who was acquitted after he was accused of sexually assaulting a drunk passenger. If you see something, say something! 
And with the Me Too movement continuing to bring these situations into the spotlight, these business partners believe the service is needed now more than ever. The reaction has been phenomenal. We've had uh, women contacting us wanting to come drive for us. We don't even have cars yet. And while there's been criticism, it's discriminatory against men. According to the law, if there's a legitimate reason for it, no rules are being broken. The company's application is currently before the BC Taxi Association. Fair competition is a good competition. Anybody is welcome to apply and be successful. To run 24-7, you need a lot of drivers. Women on Wheels is hoping to have a fleet of four vehicles on the road by the end of the year. It's going to be a pink car. You know, and actually I'm even contemplating getting some of those, you know, eyelashes on the headlights. You know, I thought that'd be cool. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. People know how to avoid those big roaming charges on their cell phone when they travel. Or they think they do. (laughs) A Vancouver man found out the hard way that even experienced travelers can get a nasty surprise if they're not careful. Our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrew, joins us now with the details. He got quite a nasty surprise. Mm -hmm. Thanks, you two. When airplane mode is activated, it's a great way to avoid international roaming charges. But if you don't switch to airplane mode before you take off, then you risk your cell phone kicking into roaming mode when you land at your next destination. That's what happened to a Vancouver man when he traveled overseas, except when he finally switched his phone to airplane mode, the roaming stopped, but eventually so did his phone. I turned on the phone. Vancouver time. I'm like, ooh, and that got me to look closer. I'm like, oh, I'm roaming. And that's where Dave Jackson says he ran into trouble. The small business owner was traveling to Japan on business and always forwards his phone number to his colleagues here at his Vancouver office. But this time when he landed in Asia, he turned his cell phone on and noticed it was roaming. I realized the phone was roaming after just like less than a minute, so I quickly turned it on airplane mode. He also removed the SIM card and used a local SIM card, something he says he does in every country he visits. But three weeks later, while traveling in Cambodia, Dave's colleague in Vancouver notified him no calls were being forwarded to the office. The phone had been disconnected, and he was billed over $1,000 by his provider, Freedom Mobile. And I called Freedom Mobile, and they said that's because I have $1,300 in roaming charges. Reluctantly, Dave paid the bill, and when he arrived back home to Vancouver, he attempted to get his money back for what he says was an honest mistake. You know, the phones were not roaming to me, and then back, my SIM card wasn't even in my phone. It was in my pocket. Dave says he tried to explain the error to Freedom Mobile, but says he wasn't getting anywhere. So he filed a complaint to the CRTC. And on the very last day for their deadline to respond in writing to the CRTC, they uh, said, let's settle at half, which I declined. So Dave turned to Consumer Matters for help. We reached out to Freedom Mobile and a spokesperson told us that after investigating Dave Jackson's account, it was determined that he had unintentionally activated a conditional call forwarding feature on his phone while in Japan. When conditional call forwarding is activated, incoming calls must first be routed to the device at its last known location before they are forwarded. In other words, once Dave's phone started roaming in Japan, he would have been automatically switched to conditional call forwarding. Every phone call Dave's office received in Vancouver was being routed from Canada to Japan and back to Canada, all the while incurring roaming charges for each incoming call that was sent to his phone. 
And even though they weren't required to provide Dave a refund because the error was his, Freedom Mobile decided to do so in this case. If you are going to roam overseas for, say, partial day and then want to turn it off, do make sure you talk to your phone company first maybe to see how that works because a lot of complications can happen even if you take your SIM card out. That's right. Again, it's a good idea to contact your provider to find out what packages are available before you travel to avoid expensive roaming charges. Almost all major providers have competitive travel data plans and add-on packages. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Good. Thanks very much, Ann. Good advice. Mm -hmm. Well, if you've ever driven to Granville Island, you know the challenge of finding parking and the feeling that comes over you when you score one of those limited free spaces. Well, enjoy it while you can. Grace Key explains the new parking plan the island is considering and when it could kick in. Any help today or any questions at all? Granville Island is one of the top tourist destinations in Vancouver, and every year more and more people are coming here. So driving around the island and finding a coveted free parking spot can be a challenge. You can drive around like 0.5 miles an hour for half an hour trying to find a place here. One circuit around the island will take about 20 minutes. Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, the island's landlord, has a long-term transportation plan to help improve access. It takes a look at everything from transit to ferries, cycling and cars. One proposal, get rid of all the 600 free parking spots and replace them with metered parking. People driving onto the island, they'll circle the island to try to find a free spot before they'll take a paid spot. Making all of the parking paid, people will park more quickly and traffic will move more quickly. Not everybody comes on a bicycle. Seems like it'll match the city because everywhere else is paying for it. If there's no free parking, it may make me question whether I'd want to stop in. In 2005, about 45% of visitors accessed the island by car. In 2016, the number went down slightly, while the number of total visitors increased by roughly 10%. The 2040 goal would see the numbers of vehicles similar to 2005. We want to increase the activity and the options for visitors um, in the evening times. So even if uh, car traffic does increase, if we can spread it out over the hours of the day, um, that will be that would be more manageable. Parking rates have yet to be determined and prices could be flexible, costing more during peak hours. Granville Island is conducting a survey on its website. A final decision will be made in the summer. If approved, meters would be installed in the fall. Grace Key, Global News. 40, 46 minutes. <laughs> it's been about, uh, it's been $72 a quarter. <laughs> We're running out of quarter. For one hour. Parking also a hot topic in Yaletown. That is actress Olivia Munn. She was wearing the yellow coat, joking about Vancouver's sky-high parking prices. There she is. She was out with friends last night and couldn't believe how many quarters it takes to feed the meter before they could go for dinner and feed themselves. A young boy asks, where's my dad, as a woman shouts, just run, get out. A man tries to break down a door as a deadly fire races through a Russian shopping mall in Siberia. 64 people died in the fire, many of them children, including an entire class that was watching a movie. Tonight, there are heartbreaking reports of children posting goodbyes to their parents on their social media accounts as the theater burns around them. Local media is reporting fire alarms were silent and many doors were locked, trapping people inside. 
It's still not known what caused the fire. Canada has joined a number of other nations in taking action against the Kremlin for this month's chemical attack on a former Russian spy living in the UK. It's done in a manner to uh, make the point very clear uh, to, uh, to the Russian government uh, that, uh, that uh, we are deeply concerned uh, and we're also very alert to the activities that we consider to be unacceptable. More than 100 Russian diplomats in, uh, diplomats in 19 countries are being expelled, including seven in Canada and 60 in the U.S. It's the largest diplomatic expulsion of its kind since the Cold War. The expulsions are payback for the poisoning of former Russian agent Sergei Skripal and his daughter, who are both still in critical condition in a U.K. hospital. Moscow is denying any involvement. Ontario police are investigating disturbing attacks on several mosques that some are calling a hate crime. A woman posting video on Facebook as she rips pages out of the Quran and verbally abuses some of the congregants. Karen Lieberman reports. I'm going to take pages from this Quranic... In a highly controversial and strongly denounced 10-minute video, a woman who identifies herself as Sandra Solomon can be seen ripping pages from a Quran and placing them on parked cars in Mississauga. Her words stinging. Satanic evil book. This is one of three mosques the woman visited last week. She even went inside during prayers, said she wanted to expose Islam. Now, this mosque is attached to a school. Vice principal says she was relieved the students had left for the day. In a follow-up video Solomon posted on Facebook to her many followers, she describes her actions. I'm starting officially my campaign uh, to designate the Quran as a hate uh, literature. Imam Ibrahim Hindi says he will not put up with Solomon. Do you feel that this incident warrants criminal charges against this woman? I do think so. I mean, there's a number of issues at hand. Uh, I think desecrating scripture in a place of worship like that, I mean, that, that could easily be constituted as, uh, as a hate crime. In this exclusive footage taken last February, the same woman is seen and heard heckling Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at Mississauga City Hall. It was for a video she was producing with Kevin Johnston, a former Mississauga mayoral candidate whose online posts targeting Muslims have prompted complaints and a hate charge. Hit the mosque. Hit the mosque. As for Solomon, Peel police are investigating the incidents as possible mischief with a hate bias. Multi-faith leaders came together to support calls for greater police presence around area mosques and stronger laws around the promotion of online hate, especially with this promise from Sandra Solomon. This is what I'm going to be doing from now on. Karen Lieberman, Global News. The controversy over Facebook and privacy protection keeps growing, with the company now under federal investigation in the U.S. And there are new allegations the company has been collecting information from phone calls and text messages. But there are ways you can bolster your privacy. Launching a formal investigation, the Federal Trade Commission now says it has substantial concerns about the privacy practices of Facebook after third parties access the personal data of millions of unsuspecting users. The investigation comes just as some Android users express outrage, discovering Facebook is tracking and saving phone calls and text messages going back years. In Seattle, Brian Wistey says he agreed to let the Instant Messenger app access his phone contacts. And to find out they grabbed a whole lot more than I intentionally handed them, uh, yeah, I feel like I've been hit. 
feel like I've been hustled. Facebook insists users consented when they approved access to their contacts and they can turn it off at any time. Calling Facebook's privacy issues dire, Apple CEO Tim Cook today joined IBM CEO in suggesting new privacy laws may be necessary. The privacy issues we're experiencing with Facebook are actually more serious and bigger than the conversations we had during the Equifax breach. Cyber pros say Facebook users should tighten their privacy settings now. If you want to see the information Facebook has kept on you, click on settings there, then scroll down and click on download a copy of your Facebook data. It could include every message, photo, even phone calls you've made. To delete or limit which apps can grab your personal information through Facebook, click on Applications, then go in and edit or delete each app one by one. Over the weekend, CEO Mark Zuckerberg apologized for the breach of trust. Facebook says it will cooperate with the federal investigation, telling NBC News, we remain strongly committed to protecting people's information. Officials in Mexico are now saying it appears a gas leak in a water heater killed an Iowa family. Kevin Sharp, his wife Amy, and their two children, Sterling and Adriana, were found dead last Friday in their rented condo in Tulum on the Yucatan Peninsula. They were reported missing by relatives about a week after they arrived for their vacation. The local prosecutor says an inspection over the weekend reveals that the water heater was leaking gas and it reached a toxic level in their room. A close call for a customer of a Washington State cafe. An SUV crashes into the front of the Foxy Lady Cafe near Burlington, stopping just short of a man at the counter. As the wheels keep spinning and smoking, he scrambles over the counter. No one was hurt. No word on exactly why it happened. Well, in Health Matters tonight, a discovery by a Vancouver-based research team could be a major breakthrough in preventing Alzheimer's. As Jennifer Palmer reports, their study shows a common over-the-counter medication could prevent the onset of the disease. Jill Guthrie is a busy chartered accountant. She's 60 and wants to stay as healthy as possible. There's a history of Alzheimer's in her family affecting her mom. It's horrendous. It's it's a terrible disease. So for Jill, finding a way to not develop Alzheimer's is important. She's taking part in research looking at how taking a daily dose of non-prescription ibuprofen can ward off the disease. I was kind of stunned, actually. It wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting some really mysterious drug that I was going to be taking. Dr. Pat McGeer is the neuroscientist who is leading the Vancouver-based research team carrying out the 500-person ibuprofen study. $30 a year, you can save your life. The first step was to have participants take a saliva test able to diagnose Alzheimer's and predict future onset. Taking ibuprofen can help as an anti-inflammatory. You start about 10 years before you think you're going to come down with the disease because the disease builds up, builds up, builds up uh, and by the time you start to show clinical signs, it's too late. So you start about 10 years earlier, don't need to start before you're 50. The Alzheimer's Society of BC says it's been a while since the disease has had this type of advancement. It's a tough diagnosis to receive. Having anything that will help means so much for everybody. The most important thing for families is that they speak with their health care provider before they do anything on their own. The next step is to find out how many pills are necessary to take a day. That answer is expected this year. 
For Jill, she says the research is life-saving. Trust in science, and I think science will continue, but this is a fantastic start as far as I'm concerned. Jennifer Palma, Global News. A new study reveals the dangers of hoverboards, but despite all the headlines, the boards catching fire is not the biggest problem. A study by New York researchers reveals more than 26,000 children were treated for hoverboard injuries during the first two years they were sold in the U.S. Fractures, contusions, and sprains were the most common injuries to the wrist, forearm, and head. Be aware if you get one. A Canadian ice cream chain gets a chilly reception as it tries to expand into the U.S. Why the name leaves some Americans cold right after the forecast. Odd. Who doesn't love ice cream? I've been there before, actually. It's Have in you? Toronto. A very long lineup, but worth the wait. Okay. okay. Like Ernest around here, or many others. Exactly. We have, we Is are. it ice cream eating weather, though, Yvonne? You know what? I feel like you can <laughs> eat ice cream every day, but it may not be the patio weather that we're looking for. Uh, we have a wet one today, and it is going to remain quite unsettled, even leading in towards our Tuesday morning. Uh, anywhere between 10 and up to 20 millimeters of rainfall, an additional amount as we get in towards the evening hours. Temperatures right now sitting at 7 degrees, a southeasterly wind at 22 kilometers per hour. We've had windy conditions. We'll continue to see that even leading in towards the morning hours tomorrow. Tawasin still seeing a sustained wind at 41 kilometers per hour and Hope seeing a gust right now of up to 30 kilometers per hour. The green is showing us the rain and we'll continue to see it. So 10 and up to 20 millimeters for most areas across Metro Vancouver. And we're seeing a significant amount of snow pushing in towards the interior for heading along the mountain passes. We do have a snowfall warning for the following. The connector, anywhere between 15 and up to 25 centimeters, similar for the Coquihalla. I anticipate We'll see some of the higher amounts there. And for the northeastern corners, if you're traveling along the Pine Pass, for Highway 97, we are going to see that snow heavy at times for the evening hours and then tapering off to flurries for the morning tomorrow. Future cast into play, I've put this in towards tomorrow afternoon. The wet weather is going to ease off. A bit of a break or the lull in the action will be for the afternoon and then a bright day for our Wednesday across the south coast with the return for some sunshine underneath a mix of sun and cloud. The northern half of the province for tomorrow, 6 degrees for areas near Prince Rupert. Smithers underneath a mix of sun and cloud. Central interior could see an isolated shower in areas along the Rockies and southeastern corners of the province. A chance to see some wet flurries for the morning hours changing over to showers. The Thompson Okanagan tomorrow will start off with a chance of showers, drier for the afternoon with the mainly cloudy sky. Whistler could see some of that wet snowfall accumulating for the overnight tonight. And across the south coast, the bulk of the moisture will be for the morning hours. And then we're looking at a chance of showers as we progress throughout the afternoon. Sunshine making a return will be on our Wednesday. Temperatures over the next few days are back into the double digits, unsettled for a Thursday, Friday. Tonight's weather window, guys, is a beautiful sunrise that was sent in from Mitchell and Nelson. Guys? Beautiful shot. Thank you, Yvonne and Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Well, the owners of a Toronto-based chain of 20 ice cream shops thought expansion into the U.S. was a no-brainer. But their name and logo has proven to be a problem for some. The Sweet Jesus chain is facing calls for a boycott from American Christians who call the name totally offensive and revolting, along with the upside-down cross logo. An online petition says the name is all about trashing Christianity and mocking Jesus Christ. But a branding expert says the protest could actually help the company. There are going to be certain groups who have never heard of this company before who will now be totally aware of it, and next time they see it, they go, oh... I'm going to go visit that shop. I heard about them. 
The critics are demanding an apology and a name change. The owners say they have no intention of doing either. There you go. A lot of buzz about the Junos in Vancouver last night, and among the awards handed out, one for a man Squire recently interviewed. It was a magic touch, maybe, Squire. Yeah, Ivan, well, I don't know about that. Although we did have Michael Bublé in this show years and years ago when he was first starting out. Look how well he's done. Uh, Ivan Decker, Labner. Comedy album of the year. Way to go, Ivan. Congratulations. And, of course, he was on Conan O'Brien last year. Was it last year or earlier this year? Anyway, he was on Conan O'Brien one way or the other. So Nice break. Funny guy. He's on his way. Funny guy indeed. If you get a chance to see him, go. He's great. And another funny guy. And we get to see him every night. Maybe it's a good number. A lot of luck in that number. Mm -hmm. Eight and eight. Popular Uh, in Calgary with the Olympics. Oh, that's true. A good one. I never thought about that either. <laughs> uh, wasn't that a car, a Rocket 88? That's that's true. Regency 88. There's a Regency 88. Do you okay. remember that? Uh, no, I don't remember. Might that. be a rocket. Okay. I'm going to look that one up. Look it up, please. Professor uh, last year, Adam Gaudet will leave college hockey just in time to play to pay make that to play make that the final bit of the Canucks season. He signed a contract with Vancouver today after his school, Northeastern, was eliminated from the NCAA championship tournament. In college, this guy was scoring at a higher rate than even Brock Besser was scoring at in college. Sakura in front, Gaudet scores! Gaudet had 30 goals this past season. The year before, it was 26. He's a centerman, but the Canucks could move him across to the wing if necessary. Now, this Thursday, the NCAA will name the three Hobie Baker finalists for player of the year. And Gaudet is expected to be one of the three. It gets away from Chris. Gaudet streaking, trying to get to the puck. And he scores in Lantina. Gaudet was a fifth round draft pick by the Canucks in 2015. That was the same year they took Brock Besser late in round one. Both look like steals at their spots. And quite frankly, to successfully rebuild a team, you need your first rounders to come through, and you also need to find some kids in the late rounds as well. Gaudet will make his Canucks debut at home either Tuesday against Anaheim or Thursday against the Oilers. Tyler Johnson in Tampa against the Arizona Coyotes. Canucks are really pulling for the Coyotes in this one because... Well, at least not the Canucks, but the people in Tank Nation are. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev, nice check from behind there, and that's not a penalty. Okay. Uh, second period, first ever NHL goal for Trevor Murphy of the Coyotes. Louis Domingue, I don't think he ever saw this one. He's looking around his own guy, and next thing he knows, the puck's in, and then out. And then a power play for the Desert Dogs, and it's Jacob Chikrin hanging around the front. So that's two defensemen scoring in this one. 2-0 in the third period, Arizona over Tampa. So while we're at it, why don't we look at the uh, tank battle here to see who could uh, finish dead last and get the best chance of winning the draft lottery. I think Buffalo... Well, it looks like right now they have it wrapped up. If Arizona wins, they move up on the Canucks is what uh, Tank Nation would like to see, get Vancouver as low as possible. I should say this, though. The lowest team in the regular season very rarely wins the lottery. So, you know, maybe it's good to be two, three, or four, or five. Uh, After two straight playoff seasons, the Blue Jays had their wings clipped in 2017, and not many expect them 
to reach playoff altitude this year either. Toronto was the lowest scoring team in the American League last year, which coincided with their pitching going sideways as well. Bad combination. This year they enter the season as long shots in the always tough American League East. The season starts Thursday at home against the Yankees. Tonight they're warming up for the regular season against St. Louis. They're playing at the Big O in Montreal. And he's treating it like a regular Marcus season Stroman, game. the Jays. Watch this. Danny Espinosa loses the bat the into his own dugout. Yanjervis Solarde gets hit with the wood. But he's okay. Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna. This is a solo home run. The guy who's been pretty hot in the spring training games for Toronto is Teoscar Hernandez. I like how they have the old Montreal logo behind them. Oh, it's very spring training. Ball going to the wall. Hernandez is chugging the third. This will drive in a run, and he would later be driven in himself, and it's 2-2 in the eighth. Blue Jays and Cardinals. There you go. Tay Oscar. Tay Oscar. I like that name. I do, too. All right, thanks, Squire. Thanks, Squire. All right, thanks, Cheryl. 45 years. I think the news hour hasn't beat by about 15 Daytime drama around here. All right, uh, Squire, you were right. 88 Rocket, by the way, is a car. Rocket 88, yeah. Regency 98 is also an Oldsmobile. Anyway, take it away. All right, so the guy between you and Sophie is that little picture, Gary Robbins. So, Gary, we've talked to him a number of times and featured him of North Vancouver. Uh, Barkley Marathons, the crazy 100-mile, actually it's probably more than 100-mile race, through the Frozen Head State Park in Tennessee, which is close to Knoxville. This year, nobody was able to finish the race. Nobody. And that includes Gary, but he gave it a good try again. This is the sound all but 15 runners have heard over the 33 years of the Barkley Marathons. When you tap out, you get taps played for you. Gary Robbins of North Vancouver Heard it way earlier than anyone thought he would. After the third of five laps. I messed up bald knob. Otherwise it would have been here half an hour ago. It was a bad year for everyone. Nobody finished. The weather was awful. There was rain, lightning. Part of the course was icy. And that's the thing. This is not a marathon in the traditional sense. As Gary told us before he left for Tennessee, running is only a small part of it. In a lap, about 25 to 30% is actual running, and about 70% is full bushwhacks, slogging, straight up, straight down, terrain that's steeper than the grouse grind, for reference. Runners have 60 hours to finish the five 20-mile laps, and they must rip a page out of each of the 13 books placed in the course to prove they went the correct way. But if you are over 36 hours for the first three laps, you're out of the race. And it appears on lap three, Gary had trouble on one of the mountainous sections and lost time. And the big thing is that small mistakes become big mistakes really quickly. In his first two years, Gary made it to the fifth and final lap before disaster struck. Will he try a fourth time next year? Well, we don't know yet. He didn't decide on this year's race until his feet felt normal after last year's race. It was September of this 2017, and I looked down and I had all my toenails on my feet for the first time since the race, since the, the race in April. And I went, ah, oh, that means I gotta start training for this thing again. 
That's the sign. If all your toenails come back, then you got to start running again. Wishing them luck. Oh, I like on the pennies or on the bibs, it says, where dreams go to die. Basically. Well, the guy who, I mean, if, if you don't know much about the Barkley, uh, on Netflix, there is a uh, documentary mm-hmm. on it, which is brilliant. And you get to see how it started. And the guy who runs it was a long-distance runner himself a long time ago. But he looks like some bizarro mountain man with a beard is, yeah. who runs this race. And it starts. You don't really know when it's going to start. He just blows a conch an hour before. And it traditionally starts when he lights his cigarette. <laughs> and away you go. Away Do you, you go. actually win anything if you finish it? Uh, like a plaque I, or a certificate? A or fame or something. I don't know. You know what? I think it costs a dollar sixty American to get in. 